Okay, today's scripture is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and Andy will bring you one. It is on page 799. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Word of the Lord. Angela. All right. <laughs> Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Ephesians. Thank you for the Apostle Paul writing to that church back then, uh, but also writing to us today uh, so that we can uh, take your word and apply it to our lives and be confident, confident in your word. Uh, that it speaks to us in the here and now. Uh, we love you and we, we want to hear from you. Uh, would you open our minds and ears and, and, mind, and, and hearts to, to hear what you want us to hear. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so today we're continuing in the book of Ephesians, and we've actually reached a pretty significant milestone in the book of Ephesians. We're finishing up the first half of the book. So I thought I would start with just a little review of the big structure of the book of Ephesians. So chapters one through three, we're finishing up three, are all about God's grace, how God is gracious to us. So it talks a lot about uh, things that God has done for us, adopted us, loved us, chosen us, saved us by his grace. Everything that he has done for you and me apart from anything that we do for him. And the second half of the book of Ephesians, uh, commands appear. Uh, we call them imperatives, about 40 of them. And that means the second half is full of how to live out grace. In other words, how we are to, the, to, to receive grace, the first half, and then how we're to kind of live in light of grace in the second half, how it's supposed to change our lives. Uh, the big idea for this is grace in and then grace out. Grace in, grace out. And I think there's a reason that Paul wants us to start with grace, right? We need to experience grace before we put it into action, before we begin to obey. We need to just ex to, to, to receive God's acceptance and his love for us. And I think Paul in this prayer is, is essentially praying for us to get it, <laughs> He's praying for us to understand and get God's grace down deep in our hearts. I don't know if you remember, but back in chapter 1, Paul also prayed for the believers. He prayed for the church. They know God, know his power. I think in a similar way, he was praying that they would get the message that he is about to give, that he is in the midst of getting, giving. And I think today he's praying again, would, would they get the message? 
We don't always receive the gift of grace, do we? We don't always receive it as God intends. Maybe some of you have put a lot of work into a gift. You ever put something in? Maybe, maybe some of you are crafty and you like to make things or you've written a nice note to your spouse or uh, you've, you know, I don't know, uh, done something, written a, a note on the fridge or I guess they have those little magnets. Maybe you've arranged a nice message on the fridge for your spouse just out of this great act of love and, and you hope they'll what? They'll receive it and they'll, they'll be encouraged. It's like when a, a kid, you know, a child draws something, right? They, they, they get their crowns out and they make a picture and then they want to give it to someone and they run up to their parent or aunt or uncle or friend and give them the picture. And you hope that the reaction is, oh, that's wonderful. I'm so grateful. Uh, thank you. Not, well, you didn't really draw within the lines. Like, you didn't color this very well. Go back, try again. That's that's not the, what we want. That's not the right response. And so today we got to ask ourselves, how am I going to receive God's grace? Am I going to receive it as the gift it is? Paul wants us to receive it. That's why he's praying for us. He's praying for hearts that can receive God's grace. God has prepared this for us. And so often it's, it's easy to look at gifts and say, well, doesn't really fit my wants, doesn't really fit my needs. You know, someone uh, presents you with a beautiful ceramic handmade pink and yellow vase, and you're just like, oh, I can tell that you put a lot of work into this, but I don't really want this. Like, I don't know where I'm going to put this in my house. It doesn't go with any of my other uh, pink and yellow vases because I don't have any. Uh, where am I going to put this gift? I think sometimes... When we, when we receive God's grace, we see the second half of the book of Ephesians. We see everything that we have to do. We see the response. Does that ever weigh on you? And I know about God's grace, but man, I, I know that all the things I'm supposed to do because I've received God's grace, and that just weighs me down. It's because we're seeing like the, 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 the care of the, of, the, of the gift. We need to just focus on the gift and receiving it, the gift of God's grace poured out for us. And today we're going to pray. We're going to pray for hearts that can receive God's grace. I think that's kind of the the big theme of perhaps the two prayers, today's prayer. We pray that we can receive the gift of God's grace. Because I can talk and talk about grace, but I need to receive it in my heart. It needs to make an impact on who I am. It needs to, to change me from the inside out. And so let's look at the, the four kind of prayer requests that Paul prays today as he thinks about the, the, the believers at Ephesus, as he thinks about them receiving God's grace and, and how they need to wrestle through some of these things. And the, the first uh, prayer request comes in verses 14 through 16. And in it, Paul says this. He's praying, we pray for inner strength through the Spirit, We pray for inner strength through the Spirit. So verses 14 through 16 say this. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So what do we see here? We see Paul kind of doing something reminiscent of the Lord's Prayer. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven. 
Well, Paul begins by addressing the Father. And then he prays that the believers would receive the glorious riches, uh, inner strength with power through his spirit. Now, this, this Greek word for strength, uh, it's also found in the Septuagint. Now, Septuagint is not a word we hear very often, but it's an ancient Greek translation, translation of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. And we find this word in stories of King David. King David is probably the most famous king in the Old Testament, lived about a thousand years before Jesus. But he had a pretty rough life. <laughs> uh, for much of it, he was being chased uh, or harassed uh, by, by foreign kingdoms. And in the early part of his life, he, he was being chased by King Saul. And while he was being chased by King Saul, the Amalekites attacked his encampment. He was away, and, and his, the, the women and the, the children of himself and his men, they were, they were unprotected. The Amalekites came and burned the camp, but took the women and children away. And, and this news completely wrecks David and his men. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4 says this, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. They had no strength left to weep. Now, this is a different word for strength than the one we're looking at in our passage today. But here we see this other word really describing David's strength, right? He had nothing left to give. He lost his strength as he was weeping and his men were weeping. Have you ever lost your strength <laughs> Something happens and you just lose it. You, you lose the strength to believe. You, you lose the strength to be a good husband or to be a good wife or to be a good mom or dad or child or student or employee. Maybe you just lose the strength to be a good Christian. This happens. And, and when this happens, we need to find our strength. We need to find our strength in, in something beyond ourselves, in someone beyond ourselves. And that's exactly what David does. So David, uh, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. So it just got worse. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And this is the same Greek word that appears in our passage today. David found strength in the Lord his God. Paul prays this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Sometimes we have to lose our strength so that we can find God's strength. I have to, to lose my ability to handle life well so that I can call out to God and tap into his supernatural strength. God, I don't have enough strength to do these things that you're calling me to do. Okay, here's my strength that I give to you. A friend said this week, everyone in our church is going through something. 
Everyone in our church is going through something. Everyone has something that's stressing them out or that makes them weak. And we can try to handle it or we can turn to God, who has the strength we can, uh, he has the, the strength we need. What if God allows bad things to happen in our lives so that we can turn to him and find that inner strength? To find that inner strength that God provides through his Holy Spirit. As his Holy Spirit comes and fills us up and gives us power in ways that we can't imagine. What if God wants us to get weaker before we get stronger? What if that's what we need in order to understand God's grace? Sometimes we need to see the empty space in our house. We're like, man, I could really use a gift right there. <laughs> and then God gives us a gift. God is giving us a gift of his grace, but sometimes we don't realize we even need it because we have it all together. And so God allows for weakness to come into our lives, for circumstances where we realize, man, I am weak. Have you ever started working out after not working out for a long time? Like those first few days, you're like, I'm going to get in shape all at once. <laughs> and so you do a, a ton of push-ups, uh, you know, pull-ups, whatever. You run, and then you're just wrecked after that. You're really sore. Uh, so 1 BC, uh, 1 before CrossFit, one year for me, uh, I, I, I tried working out at Best Fitness uh, at Drum Hill. And I got this personal trainer. They give you like, they lure you in. They give you like these free one session with a personal trainer. He was young uh, and he thought that like I was in shape. That was his first mistake. Uh, and so he had me doing running and burpees. And they were doing one of those like giant ropes, like where you like whip the rope. I, I, I don't know who came up with that, but uh, uh, I was, by the end of the workout, I was in one of their offices with my feet up on a chair, uh, and they were like giving me a free Gatorade so that I could hydrate. It was really bad. And the next couple days, Monica, I was so sore, Monica had to help me put on my shirt. And when I would drink from a cup, I had to have a straw because I could not lift my hand all the way to my face. Maybe some of you can relate, maybe some of you can't. Uh, that's good. Sometimes we have to realize how weak we are in order to become stronger. So that was the first step in me realizing that I needed to do CrossFit uh, and then getting stronger, right? And to, the first step in, in working out. Sometimes God calls us to be weaker so that he can supply our strength. You know what David did next? He, he prayed. He asked God what he should do, and God delivered his men and his wives and his children, all of them. And God actually gave them extra plunder because the Amalekites had been out raiding, so they got to keep everything that the Amalekites had gathered. God gave them even more. God was using an awful, terrible circumstance to get them ahead to provide. God can use our circumstances to somehow bring us ahead to provide what we really need. doesn't mean we're going to get extra like money and, and cash and uh, whatever else we want. But Lord willing, it's going to mean he's going to give us what we need through his Holy Spirit. And what do we really need? We need grace. We need that inner strength. We need to understand how much God loves and cares for us. And so we should pray that. 
Let us pray that. God, would you help us have that inner strength through the Holy Spirit? Would our hearts find their strength in you? And second, we pray for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. The first half of verse 17 says this. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now this sounds like a continuation of verse 16, and they certainly are connected. But I read at least one commentary, that, the exegetical commentary, it said that the first half of verse 17 is its own prayer request. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so we pray this for ourselves, for our church. Paul is writing to the church body. Would, would Christ dwell in each and every one of our hearts through faith? Now the last verse, verse 16, it talks about God's glorious riches. There's the word glory there. And it also talks about God dwelling in our hearts. Now there are other places in the Bible where it talks about God's glory and God's dwelling. Especially in the Old Testament. We have the tabernacle. It's the, it's the, the tent that, that, uh, that led Moses and the Israelites through the wilderness. God's glory, a, a glory cloud, cloud came and dwelled in that tent and led the people. And then we have it at the temple. God's glory came on the temple and dwelled in the temple. And now Paul is saying that God's glory comes through the Holy Spirit and fills our hearts, fills us. Fills us with what? Well, there's nothing more glorious than Christ Jesus himself. Fills our hearts with Christ. Well, what do you fill your heart with? Right, we're, we're all always filling our heart with something. I know that I can be prone to fill my heart with things that don't necessarily edify me, don't point me to Christ. Have you ever filled your, your gas tank uh, with the wrong fuel? Like instead of filling your sedan with unleaded, you, you put some diesel in there. You're like, this is a, a tough winter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through the winter uh, with uh, this better gasoline. Well, it can do what to your engine? It just wrecks your engine. doesn't work at all. The engine is designed to run on unleaded. Well, God has designed us human beings to run on him. We need to be filled with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're just going to be running on fumes through life, gasping for breath. Each one of us knows what we go to to be filled up. Maybe it's our jobs, our careers, maybe it's our families, maybe it's good things that God wants to use to encourage us. They just can't be the thing, the primary thing, the primary fuel. God wants to be that fuel that fills our lives. We are powered as we, as we think and we meditate and we dwell on Christ Jesus. It's through the Holy Spirit that it's, it's shaking in here. I don't know if that's my preaching or the, uh, the wind. We're, we're, we're full of Christ through the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit do that? By setting our minds and our hearts on Christ Jesus. Maybe some of you have been involved in the, the theater world, right? Now, the people that get the praise and that get seen are the people on stage, the actors and the actresses. 
Maybe even the director, when he or she comes out at the end and is given a, some flowers or acknowledged. But they're not the only ones that make it possible. There's also the tech crew. The people that dress in dark clothing and when the lights go off, they're running up on the stage and, and turning set pieces and bringing things up and and bringing them down and they're controlling the lights so that you can't see that and they're putting the spotlights on the actors and actresses so that you can see them. And they're bringing up the sound so that you can hear what they have to say. The Holy Spirit is like the tech crew. The Holy Spirit puts the spotlight on Christ Jesus in our lives. The Holy Spirit allows Christ Jesus to, to speak to us through his word, through brothers and sisters in Christ. The Holy Spirit shines on Jesus. And so we need the Holy Spirit to shine on Jesus in our lives. And so as, as we have a love that grows for Jesus in our hearts, we can recognize that's the Holy Spirit growing in me. As I love Jesus more and more, that's the Holy Spirit. As I care about honoring Christ with every part of my life, as I care about submitting to him and, and following Christ Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit working in me. As the Holy Spirit fosters a love for you, uh, for Jesus in you, Jesus is dwelling in our hearts through faith. So first we pray for inner strength through the Holy Spirit, and second we pray for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. And so God is doing a work in our hearts. Right? He's doing a work inside of us through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. But we also are going to see a prayer for, for our hearts to interact with those around us in a certain way. So the third prayer request is this. We pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love. And we see this in the second half of verse 17. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And it's going to go on which will be our, our, fourth, uh, our fourth prayer request in verse 18. But I want to stop and focus on Paul praying that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. He uses two word pictures. The first is that of a plant or a tree. To be rooted in something is to dive deep into the soil, right? To draw your life from it. Now, I have a potted plant in my office, and... Uh, one time when I was moving it from like this filing cabinet to this shelf, I kind of tilted it and the whole thing like fell out and I had like clumps of dirt going down my bookshelf and down the wall and all on the carpet. It just kind of tipped over. It's because it didn't have deep roots. It couldn't withstand the shaking. It couldn't withstand the, the move. I have like these weird uh, half-weed, half-tree plants in my yard. I have no idea what they are. And I've tried to cut them down, but they have deep roots. And so what do they do? They keep springing back to life. And we actually see uh, Jesus using a similar parable, uh, using a similar illustration in the Gospel of Matthew, in the parable of the seeds and the soils. The seed in the soils, the, the seed that the sower scatters is the gospel, the good news about Christ Jesus, that Jesus offers uh, forgiveness and eternal life to any who will confess their sins and believe in him. 
And the sower scatters some seeds on some rocks where they can't have roots. Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 through 6 say this. Some seeds fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they were withered because they had no root. Now Jesus explains what this means uh, just a few verses later in verses 20 and 21. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. A life rooted in the gospel won't fall fall away when times get tough or when uh, things get challenging. There are going to be days or weeks or even months when grace feels far away. That's why we need to have deep roots in God's word and God's love. This love extends not just to, to Christ, it also extends to each other. We want to have deep roots in God's grace and God's love. I believe that a believer who is rooted in God's grace and love won't walk away when the storms come. The NIV says established, which is another word for foundation, like the foundation of a house. A house with a good foundation, there's another parable about that. It won't fall when the nor'easter comes. A church building with a good foundation won't collapse when everyone's inside and Jonathan is preaching and the nor'easter comes. The word foundation can also be translated as grounded, which is how the ESV translates it. A house that is grounded is less likely to catch fire when lightning strikes. If you're rooted in love, we don't walk away when the going, the going gets tough. Now, I think there's a couple different areas we can apply that. How about in the church? As our church, you know, there's going to be times when the going gets tough, when we do things that causes each other not to, to feel love towards each other. But if we're rooted in love, we won't walk away. When your church family hurts you, if you're rooted in love, you won't walk away. How about if the the leadership does something you don't like or a, a ministry isn't going somewhere where you want it to go? Well, if you're rooted in love, you won't walk away. How about outside of the church? How about in life? When things come that, that we can't explain, that things happen to us that, that shake our very faith. Well, if you're rooted in the love of Christ, if you're rooted in a love for the church and the church family, if you understand God's love for you, his grace that he has given you, you won't walk away. Now, I'll be honest, as I was writing this part of my sermon, I was, I was struggling to feel love for someone. I was upset with him. And so, I was like, you know what? Instead of being upset with him, why don't I just call him? And so I called him. We talked about our issue on the phone. As I ended the conversation, I said, I love you. He said, I love you too. 
That's what it means to be rooted and grounded in love. It doesn't have to be a big, complicated thing, just pressing into the love instead of going the other way. Because we don't want to uproot ourselves. We don't want to be ungrounded. We pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Because when we are here, when we're in the church, when we're a part of a community, when we're loving each other, when the storms do come, we will be able to stand. We pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love. And this naturally leads to our fourth prayer request. We pray for our hearts to grasp the greatness of Christ's love. Verses 18 and 19, I pray that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I've been reading Richard Cogan's book, Ephesians, for you. Now, he's a pastor in London, and he explains what each of these things mean, how wide, far, uh, high, uh, and deep. And so I just wanted to go through his, his, his kind of points on each of them. Wide illustrates Christ's accepting love. Imagine a, a big hug opening wide his arms just like he did on the cross. Christ is saying uh, this, this kind of love is for all peoples, from all nations and all ethnicities, Jew, Gentile, White, black, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, grade A students, dropouts, those who are struggling with obvious sins and those who are struggling with hidden sins, Christ extends his love to all of us. Christ is available to each of us no matter what we've done. His love is wide. In our Grace Truth 1.0 study that we've been doing on Thursday nights at 7, one of the chapter's main points is that acceptance precedes obedience. See, Christ invites us in to a relationship with him. He does call us to obedience, to follow him. But grace comes first, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, and then grace lived out 4 through 6. How about how long? What does that mean? How long his love is illustrates his lasting love. See, there's nothing that I have done or can do or will do that if Christ loves me will ever cause him to remove his love. And that should be incredibly encouraging. Christ loves me. (laughs) And there's nothing I'm going to do that's going to remove that love from me. Paul already talked earlier in Ephesians that God chose us in him before the creation of the world. Does that mean that he's ever going to unchoose us because of a sin that we've committed? Does it sound like there will ever be a time that we can be separated from his love? How about high? How high his love is? How high Christ's love is? Well, it, it, it illustrates his exalting love. Koken points us back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 in seven, where God promises to raise us, us, us up and seat us with Christ in the heavenly places and pour out on us the incomparable riches of his grace in the coming ages. 
What does that mean? It means that one day we're finally going to get it. (laughs) We might not get God's grace in this life. We might not fully understand. In fact, I guarantee we will not fully understand. But one day, when we open our eyes for the first time for real, we're going to see Christ's love and everything that he has in store for us. But we can pray that we get it. We can pray that we can begin to understand that future love that we will experience. Finally, how deep. How deep illustrates his sacrificial love for us. The cross is a well. A well that you draw water out. When you look into it, it just seems so deep. The longer we we stare into this cross-shaped well, the deeper Christ's love appears. See, it's at the cross that we look at what Jesus did, where he sacrificed himself for us, where he laid down his life for us, that we realize how much he loves us. See, the Christianity, the wonderful heart of Christianity is that we don't have to make any excuses for our sins. <laughs> that Jesus sees our sins. He sees where we're broken, and yet he loves us. <laughs> he loves us. He chooses to love us in our grime and in our dirt. So there's nothing that we can ever think that, like, I can't bring this part of myself to Christ because he's already seen it and he already loves us. Jesus gives us so much grace, so much love, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. In verse 19, Paul says that this surpasses knowledge. (laughs) He's praying that we would get it, and yet we can't get it. I pray that we would each get the the immeasurable nature of Christ's grace, and yet we can't get it. (laughs) And that's what being a Christian is all about. So what are the four prayer requests? We pray for inner strength through the Spirit. We pray for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. We pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love. We pray for our hearts to grasp the greatness of Christ's love. What are we doing? We're praying for hearts that can experience God's grace. Me in my own capacity, I can't love this way. I can't experience God's grace this way. That's why what Paul is praying is so important. Although I can't change my heart, Christ can. Through Christ Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can get it. In verses 20 and 21, we talk about how God can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. So if tonight you go home, and as you're going to bed, you pray that you would get God's grace, that you would understand it in your heart, God can answer that prayer, and he can answer it far, far more than you can ever understand. We can be changed. In our benediction tonight, after the, the, the worship song and the announcements, uh, we're going to say together, verses 20 and 21, we're going to give the benediction together. Benediction means blessing. We're going to read those verses. So look forward to that. I'm going to pray, and the worship team's going to come up. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for all the ways that Christ Jesus loves us. He loves us so much.
pray that each of us would get it. We each get it. We know that you can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. Would we get this love and would we share this love? Lord, you've been preparing our hearts in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Next week, we're going to head into chapter four, where we begin, we begin to, to put grace into action in our lives. Lord, help us to, to sit in grace, not just for one more week, for all the weeks, for all the remaining weeks of this series in our lives. Help us to, to dwell on grace, to, to dwell on Christ Jesus and his love for us and how he is strengthening us on the inside. I pray for our offering. Would you bless it? Give us exactly what we need. No more and no less. In Jesus' name, amen.